You're listening to WJMSRadio.com, where radio is reimagined. The Fired Up Show starts right now. And welcome, welcome, welcome back to Monday here on Fired Up Radio, right here on WJMSRadio.com, and in the UK on Double Mint Radio. We welcome all of you to the show. We've got a very busy uh, agenda for today. Uh, But as always, let's start it out with recapping where we are with the pandemic Uh, in the U.S. The number of coronavirus cases has risen to six and a half million people confirmed with the illness. And the number of people who have uh, died from the disease is now up to one hundred and ninety four thousand. So over the course of the last uh, week or 10 days, while we have seen a reduction in the number of deaths, we were averaging uh, over a thousand a day, and now we're slightly under that. Uh, We still continue to have just way too many people dying from the disease. Over in the UK, you guys are sitting at about 369,000 people confirmed with the illness, and uh, 41,600 people uh, in your country have died from the disease. Again, a, a much lower uh, mortality rate per day, even uh, accounting and adjusting for the difference in population size. Something to note with the U.S. cases, and just you know, anecdotally, just to kind of put it in perspective, in World War II, uh, the Nazis killed an estimated 6 million Jewish people uh, in, in Germany and in Europe as part of their program against uh, Jewish people. So in the U.S., in just the eight months of this year, we have exceeded that number of cases uh, of of people with the coronavirus disease, and uh, we continue to climb. Also, something I noted when doing my research on the numbers, uh, in the the global count, uh, we are fast approaching... Uh, a rather grim milestone in that uh, one million people uh, worldwide um, are are you know likely to die in the coming weeks. We're already at 921,000, and uh, just given the rate of increase here in the U.S., uh, we're progressing that number way too fast. So you know the the bottom line is, as always, the messaging is straightforward. Uh, Let's make sure that we're doing everything we can to keep ourselves, our loved ones, and our communities safe when it comes to uh, addressing the spread of the pandemic. All right, so let's move on. Uh, As I said, this has been a very, very busy week. Uh, We've got some things happening on the non-political sense uh, in this country in that we are seeing just a horrendous amount of wildfires occurring on our west coast. Uh, We are still uh, just at the front end of the hurricane season for the east and south uh, east uh, parts of the country. And, you know, it it just continues with what's going on. We still have protests going on in the streets, protesting social injustice and economic disadvantage. And, you know, it, it is really just an incredible amount of news coming out. Um, as I've said before, in researching this show, I, I spend uh, each week between the shows 
looking at the stories, looking at the, the story behind the story, particularly with the focus of this show being on the mechanics of politics, I'm looking to see you know, what's going on in terms of how the political system is working for us and against us uh, as citizens in this country. And the amount of, of information uh, related to that just continues to grow. Uh, it, it is challenging sometimes to, you know, kind of hit the high spots. Uh, I could probably spend a week talking straight uh, on just what's going on here in the U.S. every day. Um, but I want to start out, uh, I want to do in, in the first segment here, uh, I want to talk about uh, our elected government. I don't want to pick out, you know, one party over the other uh, or you know, one, one uh, individual over the other. But suffice it to say that, you know, with the Republican Party being in the party in power right now, uh, controlling two-thirds of the, the function of government, obviously, you know, they're in the ownership seat with things that are going on. However, you know, there is a lot going on uh, when it comes to things like the response to the pandemic, uh, especially in the economic sense, where we still you know, do not have a resolution to the you know, federal support of people who are unemployed in this country due to the COVID pandemic, myself included in that club. Um, you know, and you know, it, it remains something that we really need to address as an electorate. Uh, we really need to take a hard and fast look at exactly what's going on and what is being done and not being done. Earlier in the week, um, I, I posted an editorial on the show's Facebook page, and that address uh, is facebook.com forward slash fired up radio or you can just go into facebook and search for fired up radio one word and you'll find our page um, but i want to i want to reiterate what i posted uh on wednesday and it, it is a call out to uh the republicans in this case and you know in in by extension to the democrats as well but because again the republicans are the party in power um, I wanted to send out a message to them uh, with, you know, with my opinion on, you know, what's going on and, and action or inaction that they are taking. So let me read this to you as, as to what I posted. It's called Call Out to Republican Senators and Congresspersons. Why are you silent as your party's president continues to insult the military in his upcoming book, Rage?, Bob Woodward quotes the president on knowing the facts of the coronavirus in early February and March, but deliberately lying to the American people. Uh, and, you know, Trump's quote was, I didn't want to cause a panic, yet allowing thousands to get infected and die that may not have been otherwise necessary. Asking, where is your American pride? As once again, he has insulted military leadership, calling them a bunch of P words, uh, you know, and let's not forget the losers and suckers statement from the prior week either. Details of glowing and gushing letters from Kim Jong-un have also surfaced in the media, 
and yet have not generated questions from the GOP so far. So, you know, my call to action for Republicans and Republican voters in particular, and no, I'm not going to say jump ship and vote for the other guy, but you're welcome to do so if you wish. Uh, I am going to say that you need to take a long, hard look at that American flag you profess to love so much. Maybe play the Star Spangled Banner a couple of times and then take a hard look at your party's elected officials. Does what they are not saying or doing line up with your love of this country? If the answer is no, then make a change. Just asking. You know, that, that as I said, that was you know just an opinion piece that I posted to Facebook. Uh, you're welcome to comment back to it on my Facebook page or, or to send an email to the show. And as always, our email address is firedupradio at yahoo.com. Uh, let me know what you think. And I welcome any and all opinions, pro, con. Uh, if you want to rant, go ahead and rant. And I'll, I'll read all of the messages and we'll discuss them in upcoming shows. Uh, moving on from that. Uh, the, the next thing that I, I wanted to bring up, and this is going to lead into uh, a, a discussion, you know, in line with that on our elected officials and, you know, what exactly are they there for? What exactly are they working for? Uh, every federal employee, upon taking a, a federal job, uh, is required to swear or affirm an oath. And that goes all the way up to the president. So let me let me start with the presidential oath. And every person who has been elected president since George Washington has had to to state and swear or affirm the following words. I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will faithfully execute the office of president of the United States and will, to the best of my ability, preserve protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. So help me God. That is the oath that every president we have ever had in this country has had to uh, affirm to. And, you know, every member uh, elected to a congressional office, whether it's Senate or, con or uh, House of Representatives, they too take an oath or affirmation before they are considered sworn in to their office. And their oath is, uh, I, their name, do solemnly swear or affirm that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, and that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which I am about to enter, so help me God. So there you have you know, two oaths of office. Uh, the, the second one was for Congress people and senators. The first one was for the President of the United States. And something to point out that nowhere in those two oaths does it mention that they are swearing any kind of loyalty, fealty, or oath to a particular person or to a particular office other than the one that they are about to step into. Uh, 
uh, what these oaths require and what service, you know, as an elected official of this country requires is that you support and defend the Constitution of the United States. And, you know, both offices, both levels swear and affirm to support the law in this country, not the person, not the chief executive, not any one person above any other person. And, you know, I say that and tie it back to the Facebook uh, editorial I read earlier and just say that, you know, in, in light of what we have seen, uh, not just in the last three years, let, let's be clear, okay? Um, while, you know, it, it's true I am not a fan of Donald Trump the person, I respect the office that he holds. And I expect as a citizen of this country that that office will be held to the standard that is required uh, by the oath sworn to the person who holds it. And I mean the same thing for the office of senator, the office of congressman, all the way down the line to the office of dog catcher in your local town. Um, you know, you can, you know, not like or approve or agree with the person that holds that office while still maintaining a respect for the position and for the office that they hold. And based on that, you can hold that individual to the standards of that office. And I think one of the things that we are seeing, you know, within the last three years in particular, but, you know, going all the way back, you know, through Kennedy and Eisenhower and, you know, even back further, Woodrow Wilson, you know, and, and every president has had his detractors, has had his critics, uh, has had, you know, people who for one reason or another just flat out don't like the person. However, at the end of the day, there was still a respect for the office, a respect for the position they hold. And I think that is something that is sorely lacking in our assessment of our political process in this country now. Political office and getting elected to political office has become less a discussion about qualifications and plans and you know proposals to you know, who looks best on camera, what are the optics, who do I like as a person? Who do I dislike as a person? Who's too tall? Who's too short? Who's not the right color? So, you know, we have to get back as a country to understanding that we are not a nation ruled by a president or you know, ruled by the Senate or ruled by the House of Representatives or governors or mayors you know, or state senators and so forth. We are a nation of law. We are a nation formed and operated under the laws handed down via the Constitution and all of its amendments. And when our elected officials are not upholding that law, and I'm not citing one party over the other, uh, you know, every party, every past president has, you know, walked that line has done things where, you know, they, they've looked at the legalities and so forth. And you can trace it all the way back down the line. 
um, every office holder must be held to the standard of their oath and the standard of their office. And if they're not doing that, it is our duty as citizens to you know, remove that person from office, either through legal means as defined in our laws or through the ultimate exercise of our power over our government, which is the vote. So to, you know, the Republicans, you know, again, you need to, in my opinion, take a long, hard look at how your elected officials have performed based on what you required of them when you elected them and how they have performed in terms of the oath of office they swore on the Bible before God to do when they took office. Same thing for the Democrats. You know, if, if you're not standing up for what the office you hold requires, if you are not standing up to the oath that you swore before God with your hand on a Bible, then we as electors or the elect, the, the, the voters in this country, we need to look long and hard at you and figure out if we need to keep you in your position for another term. Now, you know, only part of the Senate is up for a reelection this year and only, you know, part of the House is. So this is not something that is just going to be a November 3rd, 2020 exercise. This is an every national election exercise, both, you know, pri presidential years and off years. This is the same thing for governors, for mayors, for state senators, for state congresspeople. Uh, it is time in this country that... You know, we take a long, hard look at the people who are representing us and ask them if they stand up 100 percent to the expectations of their office and the expectations of the oath they swore. And if they didn't, then, you know, we have to change. We have to change them. And again, you know, it, it doesn't matter if you you are a, you know, a Republican supporter, a Democrat supporter independent, progressive, liberal, conservative, whatever. At the end of the day, and the most important thing of all, is that we are American. And America is a country of law. No one is above the law. Everyone is subject to the law in this country. And if we're not holding our elected officials accountable to the law, then we are failing our country. And, you know, you can you can argue back and forth about, you know, who's done what, who's said what, uh, you know, what what offensive statements have been made, what lies have been told, what, you know, uh, spin is really out of control. Never mind what, you know, the media is saying. Never mind what, you know, the 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 pundits are saying or those people who are pro-right, pro-left, pro-middle, whatever. At the end of the day, the Constitution, our American country, the oath, and the office, these are the standards that we need to hold our elected officials up to. And, you know, it, it, it will always boil down to that. 
you know, elections have become popularity contests. It's not who's the most qualified, who has the best plan, who has the best track record. It is, you know, who's the guy or lady that I like best or that I like least. You know, and that's not how you elect a government. You elect a government based on capabilities. You elect the government based on, you know, what they will accomplish as compared to what they said they would accomplish while they were running for office. You know, and there's an old saying that goes, um, success is not how well you do compared to anyone else. Success is how well you do compared to how well you could have done with what God gave you. So if our leaders are not measuring up to the success that they could achieve with the tools that they were given by the Almighty, then, you know, they are not successful and we have to look at them with a critical eye and reassess our selection for that elected office. Uh, it, it is it is that simple. And, you know, we have allowed this process to become a popularity contest. Uh, we have allowed our perception of the performance of our elected officials to become a judgment on, you know, not whether or not they are owning up to what they're required to do under the law. We're judging them based on whether or not we like what they said or we like, you know, who they beat down or we like who they held up. You know, it, it is it is high time that this country have a realignment around the rule of law. And I'm, I'm not saying that meaning the rule of law and order as it's being you know, put out there in present day context. I'm saying the rule of law as defined by our constitution and by all of the laws that have uh, been you know, amended and appended to it and you know, put in place uh, by decisions of you know, the courts over our history. We have to make sure that our elected officials are, as I've said so many times, are doing what we sent them to office to do. Not whether or not they look good in a suit, but whether or not they are doing what we want them to do. Because they work for us, not the other way around. So, you know, as I said, I'll, I'll read it again. And the, the oath that is taken by senators and Congress people and governors and, you know, elected office holders says, I, your name, do solemnly swear or affirm that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion and that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which I am about to enter. So help me God. That is the standard, ladies and gentlemen. That is what they swore to do. And if they are not doing that, then our duty is clear. We need to make appropriate changes. And again, and again and again not Republican not Democrat not independent across the board 
and we need to let our elected officials know that we are from this time forward we are holding them to their oath so you know that that's my open segment and you know feel free to comment back if you disagree send me an email send a show to the email firedupradio at yahoo.com tell me that you disagree tell me why you disagree i really would like to hear some opposite opinions from the listeners out there um you know it, it is important that we dialogue on this we need to make sure that we understand it that we hear both sides i'm not saying that i'm 100 percent right you know it, this is you know this is my show it's my opinion but if you're going to uh, agree, tell me why you agree. Give me the facts. If you're going to disagree even more, tell me why you disagree. Give me the facts and let's have a discussion. All right? Fired up radio at yahoo.com. That's what we're here for. That's what this show is about. It's about the mechanics of politics. It's about how our system is works or how it is supposed to work. So, you know, all right. Let's take a breath. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Fired Up Radio right here on WJMSRadio.com. And across the pond in the UK, we've got you guys over there at DoubleMintRadio.com. And we love and appreciate that you're listening to us now and learning about what's going on over here in the Americas. And uh, we will be right back after this message. Electoral votes, more than 270, more than enough to become the 44th president of the United States. He will be the first African-American president uh, of the United States. I've been broke all my life, but I kept hope all them nights. You see business in my city? Yeah, they closed all them twice. I was just riding down Salem, all them damn potholes. I can't drive. I know y'all can fix it faster, but I know y'all won't try. Don't nobody care about us. And that's why I don't vote. Voted for Obama back in 2012. I remember that's when I had hope. He was saying, yes, we can. And everybody got less food stamps. And when I turned 21, I was still broke. I'd never vote again. I don't think I ever had a president make my life better. Did it all on my own. Ain't no politician ever do a nice gesture. I don't even know the man's name. I ain't never seen him one time ever. Tell me how she gonna help the city. When I'm supposed to do right letters. When I'm supposed to do blame Trump. He ain't never really gave up. Uh, ain't nobody raised minimum wage. None of these jobs pay enough. I think they just want to keep us broke. Because they ain't putting nothing in place for us. This how all my people feel. But we got to learn. We complained enough. Let me change it up. Everything I just said, everybody I know think the same way. See, they don't want to see us vote. And we never do. So we see the same thing. But all our votes really do count. And they'll never really let it show. So now I'm finna break it down. Because if I don't, you would probably never know. First thing first. You know back in middle school when they taught us. It was three branches of the government we forgot it when we got older it's the judicial the legislative and executive but all we know is the executive that's the mayor or the governor and the president now none of them three people make no laws they just be checking them the laws come to their desk and all they do is say no or yes to it so when the news station tried to tell us that barack obama couldn't put us on we was all saudi at obama when it was the congress members all along we gotta focus on the legislative branch yeah they the ones that make the laws yeah they the ones right how much food stamp money you get on the car but when people that wanted to help us, wanted the job, I know they probably lost. Cause we ain't even know they name, we ain't know they face, we ain't know it all. So the Congress or the State House, that's legislative, they make laws. So what we want from the president is what they do. Okay, y'all? See, they election every two years, but we don't never even go to those. The Congress, they can raise minimum wage, but we ain't even really know it though. So you know how back in 08, when we all voted for Obama, we was 
y'all supposed to go back in 2010 and vote for the Congress. Cause they the ones make child support laws. They the ones choose if your kids at school get the eat steak or corn dogs. The state house make the court cost. So if the country failed, then you can't say it's them, it's your fault. Cause y'all ain't know to vote for Congress members that was for y'all. And they don't gotta leave after four years and we just let them sit. See, they don't wanna tell you this, they want you to focus on the president. Now the third branch is the judicial, that's judges. They the reason why John Crawford and Trayvon ain't had justice. So when Meek Mill got locked up just for popping willies, we blame the judge and not the city when they let her get voted in. Cause they ain't know who to vote against. Imagine life on the other side. Roads better, schools better, everybody get their license back, grocery store food better, custody of your kids back, homeless people get new shelters, if we gon' fix the U.S., we gotta start with them two letters, me and you, somebody told us that the government wanna keep us broke, but the only reason why those people in the government is cause we ain't vote, and I ain't talking about the president, I'm talking about the ones we ain't know, see they was gonna try to keep it low, but it's gonna hurt them when they see the polls. Every time you stay home, someone is making a decision about you, making decisions about the air you breathe, the water you drink, the food your kids eat, and how much money you bring home every two weeks. So every time you sit out an election, every time you don't show up because you think it doesn't matter, someone else is happy that you didn't show up so they can make that decision for you. Vote. And welcome back. Welcome back to Fired Up right here on WJMSRadio.com and DoubleMintRadio.com over in the UK. So we're going to pick up and continue with our discussion of the upcoming 2020 election and lead in with the, the discussion that's been going on over, you know, particularly the last uh, four or five months, but pretty much uh, since, you know, about a year ago or more. And the question has become, you know, and again, talking only about the person because it is central to the discussion of the argument, that uh, a question's been raised as to whether or not Donald Trump uh, would actually peacefully uh, hand over power should he, you know, not be declared the winner of the election uh, in November. So as we discuss that, a couple of things to kind of put at the front end. First of all, we need to be prepared for the fact that this election is not going to be decided as so many elections were, you know, over over the last, you know, 50 years or so anywhere near election day, you know, November 3rd into November 4th. Um, I can recall growing up. Uh, and and through my my early years uh, of staying up and watching the election returns come in until, you know, sometimes, you know, early, uh, you know, 11 o'clock at night Eastern time. Other times it has gone as late as, you know, two or three in the morning before we knew who the voters had picked to be our next president. Uh, and then, of course, while many of the younger listeners, you know, you Gen Zers um, may not have even been born when this happened. Then we had the election of 2000. And that was the election between former Vice President Al Gore and uh, Texas Governor George W. Bush. And this one came down to a, a tie with the only state remaining to be declared being Florida. And we had the infamous 
you know, uh, recounts and hanging chads and, you know, punched was the card punched through completely and so forth and so on. I won't get into a long dissertation on that. You can look up uh, the the records on the election of 2000 and and get the picture there. But I say that to say that in in that election in 2000, you know, election was held on November 3rd, which as required by our constitution and the results weren't known uh, until more than a month later. Actually, um, Al Gore conceded on December 12th uh, because the requirement would be for Florida that they would need to declare their electors six days before the um, electoral vote, which was scheduled, which is scheduled again under the Constitution uh, for December 18th. So on December 12th, Al Gore realized that while he could technically, you know, continue to contest it, it would then move into a situation where the election was violating the law according to the Constitution. And therefore, you know, it, it in realizing, you know, all of the outcomes that might happen, he realized that it was best for the country to concede the election to George W. Bush and um, call it a day. You know, that was a very cathartic time and troubling time uh, for a month. We did not know who our next president was going to be. There was recount after recount uh, images of, you know, uh, voter voting uh, judges holding up these cards to the light, seeing if if a hole had been punched all the way through. Did that count as a verified vote? Or was it an error, et cetera, et cetera? I mean, we went back and forth on this for a month and, and a month and more. Because, again, it wasn't uh, ended until the 12th of December and the election for the country finally certified on the 18th by the uh, vote of the electors. So I say that to say this. It is looking more and more like we are going to have a very similar cathartic situation that's going to occur in November here in this country. And the reasons, you know, are are fairly obvious. Number one, we're under a pandemic which makes voting in person um, risky at at best and deadly at worst uh, due to fears of contracting coronavirus. Number two, you know, we have the the prevalence as a result of that of mail in ballots, which won't be counted you know, on, you know, between November 3rd and November 4th. And it's going to take time to count the millions of votes that are expected to come in in a mail in voting uh, election. And, you know, as a result of this, we need to be prepared to understand that we could have a very strange situation occur around the election. And uh, Fareed Zakaria wrote a column in the Washington Post and talked about it on his uh, show on CNN uh, this past weekend and, you know, is, is urging everyone to start preparing for this, this scenario that's going to occur. 
And you know, in a nutshell, what he is saying and, and what others are saying, and I'll get to in a second, is that we could very well see that, you know, so on election night, uh, based on the in-person balloting, um, you know, Trump could easily uh, appear to have garnered 408 electoral votes compared with uh, Joe Biden's 130. And, you know, we could, you know, and, and likely expect that there would be a, a huge, you know, uproar among Republicans and Trump supporters that, you know, their guy had had won decisively. But, you know, it if you assume that over the course of the, the following four days that 75 or 80 percent of the mail in ballots are counted, uh, that lead could flip to Biden. And after all ballots are counted, uh, Biden could have have gained 334 electoral votes to Donald Trump's 204. So we could be in a scenario where, you know, on election night, it looks like, you know, the president, the incumbent president has uh, what could be considered an overwhelming victory and watch that over the subsequent days as results from the mail-in ballots are counted and tabulated in the states that that lead would, you know, evaporate and then turn around and potentially, you know, Joe Biden could have a 130 vote or 130 electoral vote uh, victory over Donald Trump. Now, you can get into, you know, arguments, debates and discussions about how much unrest and protest and and everything else that's going to cause. But don't get lost in in the protest and forget that, you know, the outcome is it's ultimately what would be considered the correct outcome under the law in this country. Now, you know, as in 2000, this is going to take some time. Is it going to take a few days? Is it going to take some weeks? Uh, won't, we won't know until we get there. But we can be pretty well assured that if the mail-in ballots come back and, you know, basically flip the election from Trump to Biden, that there's going to be a court challenge. And we know from, you know, things that have been said in the media and things that the president has said already, what's been discussed out in the political sphere with the media and political pundits and talk shows and and everything else is, you know, that the incumbent administration now is is laying the groundwork for declaring the election to be rigged, fraudulent, fake whatever adjective you want to use, uh, based on the fact that they see the handwriting on the wall that mail-in ballots uh, could easily turn this around from a Republican victory into a Democrat victory. Now, why do we say that? Well, uh, polling as of, you know, this week uh, are showing, you know, how that vote divide uh, is playing out. Uh, In one poll, Uh, 87% of Trump voters said they prefer to vote in person compared with 47% of Biden voters. In another, you know, by the the Democratic firm Hawkfish, 69% of Biden voters said they plan to vote by mail 
while only 19% of Trump voters said the same. So when you, you model up the situation, uh, that's where you come up with the fact that the overwhelming number of mail-in ballots that might likely go Democratic uh, would be something that would, would put a fear into the incumbent Republican Party. Um, now, you know, does that go out and justify, you know, messing with the post office and all of the, the statements and, and things said in press conferences, you know, about the vote being rigged and fake and fraudulent and, you know, voter fraud and mail-in ballots are, are, you know, the devil, et cetera, et cetera. That's going to be something that we'll have to talk about in a historical context, but we should be aware and be prepared as the uh, voting public for the fact that, you know, as an unusual circumstance that we are likely going to go to bed on election night or early the morning after the election and, you know, have what is being shown to be one victor, you know, and, you know, Republican victory. And, you know, over the course of some days or weeks, see that total turnaround. And then we're going to be into the court battles. And so it, it is likely that once again, this vote is going to come right up to the deadline of the elector vote. Uh, again, which is December 18th or thereabouts. And it's going to be another one of those contested elections that people are going to be talking about year over year. And, you know, I, in, in doing the research for this, there is an interesting uh, website that you can go to, and it is called uh, 270towin.com. And they have a link that leads to a historical map series on the Electoral College um, votes going back from 2016 to 1789. So basically going back through all of the uh, presidential elections and recording the electoral votes of that. So, you know, as I looked at that, you know, two things struck me and, and it was interesting. Um, aside from, you know, the, the, the subjects I was just talking about with, you know, hotly contested races, and there have been a few, there have also been some really wild um, landslide uh, victories, both Democratic and Republican. Um, you know, for example, in 1936, uh, Franklin Roosevelt won with 523 electoral votes uh, beating Alfred Landon, who only garnered eight electoral votes. And I believe that is the largest electoral win in American history. Conversely, in 1972, Richard Nixon beat George McGovern 520 to 17. You know, so there have been some just huge landslide victories um, that have occurred over the course of the last 50 years or so uh, in American electoral politics. The other thing that this page, and I, I encourage you to go check it out, it's um, 270towin.com, and the, the sublink is historical-presidential-elections. 
because uh, what it shows you, and I, and I find I found this interesting and, and almost diverted me off of the, the subject I wanted to talk about in looking at the progression back and forth between you know Democratic majority and Republican majority, particularly if you look at the period from 1964 uh, up through 1984 uh, and into 88 and beyond, what you see is basically a Republican march across the country in terms of the number of states that went Republican. Uh, this can be largely attributed to what we've talked about on this show many times, uh, otherwise known as the Southern Strategy, where the idea the Republicans put in place about the time between 1960 and 64, although it, it, it kind of started you know, earlier than that into the late 1950s, where the idea was to build a base of Republican strongholds at the state level and use that to leverage upward to the presidential, Senate, and Congress level. And uh, this collection of maps really kind of shows that progression back and forth. Uh, you can look and see which states went from one to the other and, and so forth. So it, it's worth a look, all right? But getting, getting back to you know, what, what I was originally talking about here, what we've got coming up in November. So we have the potential for an extended election scenario happening where the actual vote may not be decided for several weeks. And again, there's a constitutional deadline that requires six days before the electoral uh, vote, which is defined in the Constitution, for all electors to be in place, which means every state will have to have locked down its electoral representatives uh, prior to that deadline. And this has led to some very interesting discussions, uh, one of which is what would happen if a Republican state um, declared or, or elects electors that are dedicated exclusively or, or any state? Let me back up. What would happen if a state declared its electors to be for a candidate, one or the other of their choosing, rather than based on the numerical outcome of the vote in the states. Now, you know, from what I've heard and from what I've researched, there isn't any law specifically prohibiting that. Um, electors can be uh, elected and can, in, in many regards, choose their own preference or be elected with a preference aforehand and that not violate uh, either constitutional or most state law. Now, I'm, I'm not a lawyer, and that's, that's not you know, a 100% certain statement, but that discussion has been held that you know, a particular state might just you know, stack the deck with electors uh, to, to favor one candidate over the other. And the other discussion that's coming out of what is perceived to be a, a very contentious election you know, on top of the contentious you know, campaigns we've had over the last three years, um, is, you know, is there a scenario where the incumbent president would refuse to peacefully transition power should he lose the election? And this has been a subject of much discussion uh, in, in, over the last year, and it's gotten only more heated 
over the the last you know few weeks and and couple of months uh and there is more and more uh people who see you know a a scenario where this might happen you know and it, it goes in line with what i was originally talking about where based on the in-person ballot the incumbent in this case donald trump recognizes that he has an overwhelming victory but sees that over you know the coming weeks that that victory gets eroded and reversed and you know basically tries to you know cast the election as fraudulent or as fixed or whatever adjective you want to choose and you know it it looks like you know the the democrat is going to win and you know it is in a usual strategy at some point the incumbent candidate should they you know be on the losing end of the vote um their advisors come and say you know you know it, it's it's time to have that talk it's time to make that speech basically conceding the election to his opponent but you know it it is being posited that you know the the speech that donald trump might give is not one of concession but is one of uh, defiance is one of non-acceptance uh, and that he is not going to recognize this election as official and you know he's going to resist transitioning his power and of course then it's going to get into the court system and it's going to work its way quickly through an emergency request to the supreme court to to decide on the legality of him staying in office until a clear defined result occurs preferably one that is more favorable to him and you know here we go it's 2000 all over again he's been hinting at that and he has been structuring the the process through you know his his efforts within the post office to impact uh, mail-in ballots through the ground games in you know Republican states to suppress votes to getting in front of the Republican voters and to his base and saying that you know the election was fraudulent uh, it was rigged you know and he's not accepting it he is fighting it in court and you know that the Democrats have you know put in place a strategy to steal the election from your president, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, he, you know, in, in, in one uh, article that I read, you know, it cites, you know, the, the hypothetical um, Donald Trump immediately declares victory, thanking the millions of, quote, real Americans, close quote, who voted for him. And, you know, Joe Biden's campaign continues to file lawsuits challenging the actions in Wisconsin, Arizona and Florida. You know, the the end result being that there are two competing realities. Uh, the vote tallies, the final vote tallies in tallies, including uh, mail in ballots, clearly show that Biden has won the election, um, you know, garnering as many as 319 electoral votes to Trump's 219 but Trump claims that the real tally is 270 to 268, 
and when Congress counts the electoral votes, he will emerge victorious, uh, similar in fashion to what happened in 2016. So, you know, it, this is going to be a <laughs> contentious, uh, this could get ugly, and ultimately, I think we're going to see a 2000-like scenario all over again where it's going to wind up sitting on the, the bench of the Supreme Court, which, by the way, uh, doesn't really have a, a legal mandate to decide elections. That's not supposed to be the role of the Supreme Court. However, you know, the, the uh, Bush v. Gore case um, you know, made that into an issue and set that precedent where the Supreme Court could weigh in, you know, and, you know, it is not a, a certain fate that the Supreme Court being basically a conservative majority with the Trump appointees of, uh, you know, two judges to the, the highest court, you know, in his term and, you know, it is not clear that, you know, Gorsuch in particular, but Gorsuch and Kavanaugh would vote in favor of, you know, the president and against the Constitution, against the law uh, to, to, you know, to weigh in on the election. We are just going to have to sit and wait to see that. Um, in the meantime, as we wind down through the last few minutes of the show, it, it just really reinforces the point I've made week over week here on this show that it is imperative that everyone get their vote in and get it counted, Republicans or Democrats. You know, if, if it is in the cards that the Republican, you know, voters uh, are the clear majority, the over, you know, the overriding majority and, you know, President Trump gets a second term, Okay, so be it. Buy a larger bottle of aspirin and we go forward. If, on the other hand, you know, the, the Democrats have an overwhelming victory, then our hope, you know, as a nation should be that, as I said at the top of the show, the rule of law would prevail and our laws would dictate that a transition of power from Republican to Democrat is what needs to happen. But we're just going to have to wait and see. So, you know, buy your popcorn now. Get ready. It's going to be a long, bumpy ride. Keep your hands and feet inside the ride at all times. And we'll just happen. We'll just have to see what happens, you know, in the days and weeks after November 3rd to see who's going to end up being the occupant uh, of the Oval, Oval Office. But again, let's make sure we do our part, America. Let's make sure we get out there and vote no matter who we're voting for. Let's make sure that we get out there and vote uh, and get that vote counted. So that's going to wrap up this week's show. Uh, it, it's, as always, my pleasure to present this information to you. If there are comments or questions that you have, please uh, send an email. The email address for the show is firedupradio at yahoo.com. Uh, please go to the Facebook page which is uh, Fired Up Radio on Facebook. Uh, read my, my editorial, read my articles, and be sure to subscribe and like the page so that you get the current updates. And likewise, uh, I will be tweeting out uh, 
from our Twitter account, which is at RUFiredUp, and that's the at symbol, A-R-E-U, Fired Up, on Twitter. As always, I appreciate your, your joining us on this Monday. My name is Steve. The name of the show is Fired Up. Uh, you can hear us as you're listening on, on WJMSRadio.com and on Double Mint Radio. If you go to the websites, you can uh, locate the links to our archive site where you can get uh, on-demand uh, podcasts of this and, and many other shows carried on our station. So be safe, everybody. Make sure that you're taking care of yourselves. Mask up, glove up. Keep yourselves, your loved ones, your community safe. I will talk to you again in seven days. Everybody, please have a great week. Take care now. Started yesterday, and we're already late.